there are some things that mean a lot to us. For instance, if we lose them, misplace them, or somebody takes them from us, we feel like we're kind of lost without them. I remember one time when I was getting ready to prepare food, I had taken my wedding band off and I had misplaced it. And I remember those days that I didn't have it. I felt lost. I felt like, you know, something was wrong. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I know in the great scheme of things, this doesn't really matter, but Lord, would you please help me find my wedding band? And then God put it in a prominent place, I believe with all my heart. Some angel got it and put it right in front of me so that I could see it. And I felt like I had what I needed. You see, what happens is, is that most people look in all the wrong places for all the wrong things and never really find what they need when all we need is Jesus. And we are to be seeking Jesus alone. My name is Trey Rhodes, and I'm the Connections Pastor here at Northwood Baptist Church, and it's great to have you along from wherever you are. You might be around the world, and we really appreciate that if you're a care group leader or you're a, a, a uh, Life Connection group leader or even assistant teacher or even a, somebody that's just kind of filling in for today. We really appreciate you coming and listening, helping you uh, discuss, with your discussion that you'll be having on Sunday when you go through, or whenever you have your small group. Uh, we welcome you here. So if you need those materials and don't have them, always just send me a quick email and I will put you on the list and you'll get started next week. And it'll come to you every single time. Just text me or email me, excuse me, Trey, T-R-E-Y, at NorthwoodBaptist, no S, dot com. So not Northwoods Baptist, NorthwoodBaptist.com. And get that to me and we will get you those inform that information. I do need to say something about the uh, discussion questions. If you'll notice, the title on this is uh, Luke 9, 43 to 62. And that's actually the title for this coming week with Pastor Tommy's sermon. Uh, Pastor Randy's sermon is, sermon is what it said in the bulletin, which is Seeking Jesus Alone, Luke 9, 28 to 43. So that's what we're covering today. So we are in Luke 9, 28 to 43. So the dates are right on here, but the title and the scripture uh, length, uh, part of the scripture, excuse me, is not right. And also, if you go to the inside, it says Luke 9, 18 to 27, which is from two weeks ago. And then the scripture that is here is what Pastor Tommy is going to be preaching on tomorrow on Father's Day. So my point is this, is that the discussion questions that you have that say Luke 9, 43 to 62, no reserves, no retreats, no regrets, when it says preach Sunday, June 11, if it says that, then that's the right one, okay? So look for that headline. And if you use the 8.5 by 11 size rather than this folded size, um, it, it's right on there, okay? So anyway, that should help you. But all the discussion questions are all right. This might be an opportunity for you to, to remind everybody to bring their Bibles and study their Bibles and to have their Bibles open because the scriptures over here are not the ones we're covering in Life Connection Group this week. Okay? So, I uh, hope that uh, helped you out. All right. Well, we're going to be talking today about seeking Jesus alone. We're in Luke 9, 28 to 43. And this is the sermon that Pastor Randy Jackson preached, our executive pastor here at Northwood Baptist. If you'd like the opportunity to hear his message and you weren't able to, you can go to YouTube and just type in Northwood Baptist in North Charleston, South Carolina, and it will pop up, and you just it's going to be the latest sermon that will be on the top of that page, and you just click and listen to Pastor Randy's sermon. You can fast-forward it to the sermon. You don't have to listen to all the worship music, although you might want to. All right? All right, well, uh, we do all seek things that we probably don't need. 
And the truth of the matter is, it's not just seeking things we don't need. We really don't need anything but Jesus. And so when we seek, we seek Jesus alone. Um, so we're going to get into what we call the transfiguration. And it's when they went up to the top of the mountain, and we don't know which mountain. might have been Mount Nebo. might have been another mountain closer to Jerusalem or Bethlehem. Or maybe even the mountain that I saw in the northern part of Israel, which was 10,000 feet. But regardless of which mountain it was, Jesus was there. He brought Peter, James, and John with him. They went up the top of the mountain. Moses and Elijah appear. And when they appear, there with Jesus, Jesus shows all his glory. It, it was like his flesh uh, changed into this bright whiteness that uh, almost couldn't be looked at. Very similar to what uh, Moses went through when, he, when God walked by and he saw his back. Or when Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, talks about the glory of God coming in that place. Isaiah chapter 6, when the glory of God shone and, and the angels were around the throne and they were saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Almighty. All those things are, are real stories that really happened and all trying to point us to what God's glory is like. Now, uh, if you remember what we talked about glory, glory is this weightiness or this, this idea of incredible splendor that, that has weight. And so that, that makes you think that's an important part of who God is. If it, if it brings weight to who God is, and that's what glory does. So understanding that about glory, let's jump right in and let's go through, some, uh, go through the message. First of all, are you seeking God's or man's glory? Are you seeking God's or man's glory? What do we mean by that? Well, if you're seeking man's glory, then, you know, and that might, you might be that man, by the way. Uh, somebody in your life connection group might be that person. Um, then you're wanting the recognition. You want to say, here I am, I did it, it was me, you know, I, I did all that. I was, I was there with them. If it, it wouldn't have been for me, I, it wouldn't have happened and all those kind of things. You know, you've got to be super careful about those kind of things, pointing, pointing people to you. And then also, when we want the credit, it wouldn't have, that kind of goes back to what I just said, it wouldn't happen without me. You know, I was there, I did that, I was in the middle of that thing, I, I picked that up, I, I got that going, all those things. And, and we want the credit instead of giving God the credit that's due him. So the difference is between seeking man's glory and God's glory is this, when, we seeking, when we're seeking God's glory, we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds. So God's glory will transform us and it will make a, point us to Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us. Um, we find this over and over again. If you want to look up John chapter 15, verse 8, I think that'd be a good scripture for you to read out loud. It talks about how, um, what, what he does to renew us. Um, of course, we already mentioned Ezekiel, but if you want to go and read Ezekiel 1, 26 to 28, a lot of what's happening is going to sound a lot like what we're hearing on the Mount of Transfiguration as well. Uh, number when, we, when we're seeking God's glory, number two bullet point is we're being overwhelmed by the presence of God. And, and I don't think there's any doubt that when they were up on that Mount of Transfiguration that they were not overwhelmed. The problem was is they wanted more than just Jesus. You know what Peter said? He said, let's make a tabernacle. And we'll stay up here and we'll hang out with Moses and we'll hang out with Elijah. Oh yeah, Jesus too. Well, we'll even make, we'll even make one for Jesus. So they wanted more than what Jesus had to offer. They wanted somebody else. And that's what the tabernacle, why he said that thing about tabernacle. He didn't quite understand that all we need is Jesus. 
So let's get to the second question, and that is this. Are you seeking man's presence or God's presence? You know, it's the idea of, of us being, when we see the presence of God, we are awestruck by his glory. We know that we're in his presence. Um, I, I think when we seek man's presence, what happens is we lose sight of what's good for what's great. We lose sight of what's good for what's great. You know, so many times we, we have a lot of good stuff in our life. But you have to ask the question, are, are we really focusing on that which is great? You see, when we, when we seek man's presence, yeah, okay, so we have Moses and Elijah. That seems a pretty good deal, right? You got Moses and Elijah there. Sur- surely you want to be around them. Surely you'd want to be asking them questions. But when the Son of God himself is there, it's not a matter of Moses and Elijah. It's a matter of Jesus. I think it's the old Southern Gospel song that says, you know, I, I, want, to, I want to see Timothy and I want to see Paul and I want to see all these other people. But it says, but then I, I, I want to see my Jesus. That's what we need to be. People that are looking at Jesus. All right? That's what happens when we see, uh, we seek man's presence. But what about when we seek God's presence? What does that look like? Well, I, I think the first thing that happens is we find fulfillment in Christ alone. We are fulfilled in him. We don't have to have others in our lives. We don't have to have other things in our life. We don't say, well, if I just had, and we'll seek a car, we'll seek our education, or we'll, we'll seek, you know, a better job, or we'll seek, you know, a, a better husband or a better wife, you know, in some situations. All those things somehow we think are going to give us fulfillment, and they don't do that at all, do they? Because our fulfillment is found not in things, not in people, not in circumstances. Our fulfillment is found in Christ alone. That's what happens when we seek God's presence. But not only about seeking God's presence is that, it's also keeping the main thing the main thing. We keep the main thing, which is Jesus Christ, the main thing. It's not about those other things. That's not what drives us. That's not our purpose in life. Our purpose is twofold, that we might bring glory to God. That's that weightiness that we talked about. We might bring glory to God and that we would build God's kingdom. So once again, they are built around God and his glory, found in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is the only one who matters. And in the midst of that, we see in verses 34 and 35, as all this is happening, we see him say this, this is my son, I'm pleased with him. Sounds like his baptism, doesn't it? He finds the pleasure of God. God finds his pleasure in his own son, and he is pleased with him. The question we have to ask is, are you and I pleased with Jesus? Are we seeking something more? Third question we need to ask, are you seeking man's power or God's power? What are we talking about? Well, when you seek man's power, it's just refusing help from the viewpoint of God working in and through you. You know, it, it's about saying, God, I want you to be the one that does this. And, I, you know, are you doing that or are you refusing it? You know, are you saying, I don't need you? Um, Mark 9.29 might give you a, a little bit better view on that. And so if you want to look that up and read that, feel free. But thinking in you alone, you have to become... Like Christ. In other words, 
I have to do it on my own. I can't do it with the power of presence of God. You know, it's, it's, it's more that I've got I've to be able to do it myself. So when you seek man's power, that's what you're looking at. But it's not about you and what you can do for yourself. You know, it's not me, myself, and I. It's seeking God's power. We recognize that. What does that mean? Well, when we seek God's power, it means that we recognize that we can't do life without Christ. When we're really seeking what he wants, it's saying, Jesus, I know that I can only do it through you. And how does that play out? It, play out in the, it plays out in this one thing that many of us ignore in our lives. In my most recent discipleship group, we talked about the impact of prayer in our lives, and, and we all admitted we don't pray like we ought to. And maybe there's people in your life connection group that don't pray as they ought to. You know, it's never bad to bring everything to the feet of Jesus. When you're struggling, when you're hurting, when you need something, it's never a bad thing to bring those things to the feet of Jesus. Pray. Seek God. Ask for forgiveness. Worship Him. You know, we use ACTS. I think it's so good. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Supplication just simply means bringing our, our desires and wants and needs to Him. Prayer for all things. As Pastor Randy said, we need to be a praying people. Okay, so the question comes, are you seeking Jesus alone? All right, guys, well, let's get right into the discussion questions and let's get to what we need to be doing to, to uh, answer some of these things. Uh, first of all, uh, we're in, uh, once again, just to remind you, we're in Luke 9, 28 to 43, and we are talking uh, about um, uh, seeking Jesus alone. Okay, so we're, interestingly enough, going to start in Luke 9, 21 to 27, and I have a feeling that that's what's kind of started everything rolling, that uh, people can get confused what, what to, to put on the title of this. But anyway, in Luke 9, 21 to 27, what we have is Jesus, uh, the disciples, excuse me, painting a picture of what Jesus is supposed to... Um, let me, let me say this all over again. I'm saying it wrong. Jesus paints a picture of what the disciples should expect to come. So in verses 21 to 27, so let me jump there real quick. But he strictly warned, it's necessary that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed and raised the third day. And then he said, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So that's, that's the essence of that message. So that, that kind of life looks like complete self-denial, complete reliance on Jesus, dying to ourselves in the old self, as Pastor Tommy looked, talked about last week, and then moving forward to become all that God wants us to be. All right, um, by the way, if you want to do some starter questions, just look through those. Uh, the one on glory is real good. If you want to talk about weight more and get some impact on glory, that's fine. That would be good. All right. Uh, let's read Luke 9, 28 to 36. Let's jump on to that section, and that is really the essence of the passage that we're studying today. So uh, this goes along with, and if you would like to go back and read Matthew 17, 1 through 13, or Mark 9, 2 to 13, we have the transfiguration in both of those. Um, but anyway, these passages record the same event, but each have some different details. Um, maybe you want to uh, ask some people to read, you know, pull up those scriptures and see if there's some details that left out that you can kind of 
help them with. And by the way, this is our observation where we're kind of saying, okay, what does this sound like? And we're trying to say, okay, what does it say? The who, what, when, where, why, and how. Uh, what details are added in Matthew and Mark that don't have in the Luke text? So compare and contrast. If you'd like to do that, that would be good. Number three, where do we see the presence and glory of God throughout Scripture? Well, we talked about some of them. If you remember, we talked about Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. We also talked about Isaiah 6. We also talked when uh, Moses... Uh, saw Jesus, and you can look in your cross notes. I'm pretty sure they're in there, and it'll give you where Moses was when he saw the back of Jesus or back of God. Many people think it's a Christophany, which means it was the, the pre-incarnate Christ. Uh, that when he saw that, how that worked. Um, so uh, you might want to go through some of. The, I think you should go through some of those scriptures. Number four: What does the walk down the mountain look like in Matthew, Mark, and Luke? So when they came from the mountain and walked down. What did it look like? And uh, that's going to give, we're going to go, we're going to jump into uh, verse 37. Uh, when they came down the mountain, a large crowd met them. Um, and it was a demon. And we find this idea of this demon coming. And uh, let's see here if I can get to it. It said, after the voice was spoken, Jesus was found alone. They kept silent, and they told no one what they seen. So I guess it was a very quiet time, wasn't it? When they got down there, they did come, in verse 37, they did come to demons and other things that were going on. All right, Luke 9, 37 to 43, Matthew 17, 14 to 20, and Mark 9, 14 to 29. Once again, those are the parallel scriptures. And it says, these passages record the same event, but each have different details. What details are in Matthew and Mark? So if you want to compare those, uh, you're, you're free to do that. And again, it's more of the same of what we did in the section above that. It's just different passages. And what de so the questions are, you, as you compare them, read them out loud probably if you have time. And then uh, maybe you want to have those ready to go before Sunday and you can kind of point out what those things are. Uh, number six, what did the evil spirit cause to happen in the life of this boy? So... This, this evil spirit comes, and it would seize him, is what it says. And they should be able to read this and get it out pretty easily. Uh, his spirit seizes him, and suddenly he shrieks, and he goes into convulsions. He foams at the mouth, severely bruising him, and it scarcely leave, it's, it's, it, it leaves him. Uh, scarcely ever leaves him. So that's kind of what was going on with this evil spirit. And uh, that, was, that was how they knew that something was wrong with this boy. So then verse seven, uh, question number seven, what was Jesus' response to his disciples being unable to cast out the evil spirit? And so if we find out, he says, uh, he said, I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. So Jesus' response was that they could not cast it out. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I be with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. And so that tells what happened with this boy. The boy came to Jesus. The demon knocked him down, threw him into convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all astonished at the greatness of God. Once again, what are we pointing to? We're pointing to the greatness of God. So he called them evil and perverse, or unbelieving and perverse, one translation says. Uh, I think it's the CSB that says unbelieving and perverse generation. So that's pretty strong words, isn't it? All right. Um, now let's interpret this. Okay, 
These are all the things that we've kind of looked at, and we understand what's going on here in, in Luke chapter 9. Get a little bit of background, comparing Scripture to Scripture as we go back to Matthew and Mark and uh, trying to look at what they see. And then we're going to go to number one uh, of the interpretation. So if that is the case, we're going to make a, a, we're going to try to say if that's what it meant, how do we then begin to interpret this? All right? Uh, what's, what is the significance of Moses and Elijah showing up and talking about Jesus' departure? Well, if you remember what happened, Moses represented the law, and, of course, Elijah represented the prophets. And, of course, that was the text of the Old Testament. And so they were there to represent the old way. And the old way was there also to see this one who had come, Jesus, and seeing him in all he was, the glory that was intended to be from the beginning. All right, number two, what is the significance of Jesus' transfiguration? Why don't we see Jesus in his full glory anywhere else during his earthly ministry? Well, he came to, for one reason, and that was to show us who God was like. And God was like Jesus. You know, I think it was a little boy that said, his mom, he was scared in his room and his mom kept saying, well, Jesus is here. He said, yeah, but I want to see... I need to see Jesus with his skin on. And that's what the world wants. The world wanted and needed to see Jesus as God with his skin on, right? And so that's why that didn't happen all the time. It was a one-time occurrence. Or uh, Peter, uh, Peter, James, and John were able to see um, the, um, the either pre-incarnate Christ or the Christ after he resurrected from the dead, that idea. So um, I don't think it's necessary. That's why we don't see his full glory anywhere else during the earthly ministry. You can talk about that as a class, and I'm sure there are differing opinions as to why. And feel free to do that. All right, read Romans 12, 2, and 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18. Now, as we read this, we find out what our transformation looks like as believers. Romans 12, 2, it talks about the renewing of our minds. So that uh, when, when we are transformed by Jesus... We have what's called the, our minds are renewed. We think differently. We, and because we think differently, we act differently. Because we act differently, we respond differently. You see, that's what happens when our minds are transformed. Um, in 2 Corinthians 3, it's very similar, where the, the Word of God takes what we have and begins to make an impact through what we're doing as, as believers when we, when we come to follow Christ, when we come to do His will, when we come to do his work when Jesus has changed us from the from the inside out. It makes a difference in how we respond and how we react and what we do and what we say. And as we already talked about, our even our attitudes themselves change. And that, my friend, is a big deal. We when we change our attitudes, uh, that that can make all the difference. So let's let's read that real quick. Second Corinthians three. And let's go to uh, verse uh, seventeen and read that together. All right. It says in verse 17, Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at, as to the glory of God. So when we are unveiled before God, because we are in Jesus, we are seeing that uh, the glory of the Lord. And that transformation is the glory that people see. We are being transformed into the same image. And we are being transformed from glory to glory. This is the Spirit. This is uh, from the Lord who is the Spirit. So it is the Spirit himself that is transforming us so that we look like what Jesus intended us to look like believers, as believers. 
Number four, why is this voice from heaven so significant? Why is this voice from heaven so significant? Um, it, it was God saying that this is my son. That's what he said, and I, I'm pleased with him. And we talked about that in the message. It is the pleasure of God with his son. And if God can be pleased with his son, why are we not pleased with his son? Why do we feel like we have to have more? Why do we feel like we've got to have, there's something else, there's something more than just what Jesus is? What does the voice tell us about Jesus? Well, it tells us that he's the son of God. It tells us that God was pleased with him, with his will. God was pleased with his purpose. God was pleased with what he was doing. God was pleased with everything about his son. Number five, what were the disciples missing? Okay, when we go to that story of the, of the um, unbeliever, uh, excuse me, this, this, you know, well, I guess he was an unbeliever, uh, this guy that comes to them and needed to cast out this demon, and the spirit you know, grabs him and, and turns the boy becomes convulsive, and, and the disciples could not drive it out, but they couldn't. And it says that uh, this, this kind comes forth but by prayer. It is by praying the impact that is made in the spiritual world. Am I right? I know I'm right. They couldn't cast out the spirit. They weren't, they weren't praying about it. They were just thinking they were going to do it on their own. All right, now, let's get to the theological reflection. This is a new thing that we're doing, and uh, the, this is, it's going to say just about this every time. How does this passage help us understand the person of Jesus Christ? How does this passage of Scripture help us to understand the work of Jesus? And how does this passage point us to the glory of God and help us to understand how we should live in response to glory? So kind of we want to talk about how all those things work together. And you're going to have to kind of bring up what we've talked about. And so this is we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to get the theological reflection about Jesus, uh, how Jesus worked, and what his glory was, and how we should live in response, all right, how we live, at, live that out. All right, then we get to the application, and um, we're the OIA, and this is the A. This is the application. Uh, let's talk about it. Number one, what are three practical ways that believers can be a light for Christ? Okay, so what are the three ways that you can? Um, and I think that, um, you know, when what we do and what we say will help us uh, get where we need to be to, to be that light in this dark, dark world we live in as we point others, to, and we need to say, okay, these are ways. I can pray for people. I can encourage people. I can do good for people. Jesus, it was Jesus that said, by doing good works, we're going to glorify our Father in heaven. So if that's not a practical way that we can be a light for Christ in this dark world, all right? Um, so good works certainly do that. But it's not the good works that are the answer. It is the good works that point people to the Jesus that lives in us. Number two, name some excuses people have for desiring their own glory presence and power. Well, they want recognition. They want the credit. Um, they want uh, people to look at them and say, hey, look how great I am. Um, all those things are how we, how we look at and we, we want those things for our own glory. Uh, what about, how, how about what we talked about that we, we look and try to find fulfillment in other things? How about losing sight of what's good and, and, and uh, not getting what's really great? How about when we talk about seeking God's power, uh, we refuse help from God. We, we think that um, in, in me alone, I have to become like Christ. You know, it's just me, and I have to work hard at it. I have to do it on my own. Number three, what areas of your life are you currently seeking man's glory, man's presence, and man's power instead of God? So 
Maybe some issues that they are going to come up along the conversation. Maybe you can refer back to them if they haven't been said, if they need to be mentioned, or maybe somebody said something they can't even remember. Go back and encourage them with that, uh, to, to talk about that. Number four, if glory means something is weighty and significant, how would you rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10? So this is a scale of 1 to 10 where you just literally, and you can you know go around the room, maybe four or five people can say, I'd say I'm about a 4. Uh, some people say, I'm an 8. Uh, some people might say, well, I, I'm probably a zero. <laughs> I never even thought about that. And, you know, the truth is we're all in somewhere on that line. And, and there are times in all of our lives that we were a zero or a one. So that's not humiliating. That is just recognition of who we are without Jesus. All right. Uh, how well do we give glory to God? Do we want the credit or do we want to give God the credit? Number five, what are two practical action steps? Okay, action steps. Can you begin to pray this week? That would be a good one. That prayer would be a good one to work on. Uh, can you begin to point people to Jesus instead of yourself? You know, uh, Next time that somebody says, well, uh, Trey did the great job, I'm going to say, yeah, but thank Jesus. I couldn't have done it without him. He was there. It was, it was him that helped me through this whole thing. Point people to Jesus. They're going to come up with some other practical ways, or maybe you want to come up with some that kind of point them in the right direction, okay? All right, guys. Well, that's all we have for you. I hope that helps you in your uh, discussion tomorrow and on Sunday. That's not actually tomorrow, but on Sunday. And I hope that uh, that just encourages you to serve and love Jesus with all your heart and that you do put Jesus first and God's presence first and God's power first and, and uh, all those things first as we seek Jesus alone. Well, let me pray for you and we will go. Father, thank you so much that you truly are enough. And we sing the song over and over again, you're more than enough. And you are. And yet we constantly want more stuff. We want more things. We want more education. We want more, 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 more. Lord, help us to be complete and content in Jesus and Jesus alone. And not seek other people, but seek other things, but seek Jesus. Lord, if there's anybody in our class that doesn't know you as Savior and Lord of their life, may this be the day that they surrender to him and come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord of their lives. And Lord, experience his glory in a way that they never have before. And may we all do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for listening. God bless.